Hello and welcome to the SD Realness podcast brought to you by Sales Development Revolution, where we're talking with practitioners uh, in the space about important topics to them. I'm Alex Ellison, here as always with my co-host, Grayson Fulbright. Hello and good morning or evening, everybody. So this season's theme for, for the podcast is see action, take action. Our goal is to dive into a specific topic about sales development and learn, you know, those specific tactics from experts who do it every day. Uh, today's topic is on creating and managing sales cadences. Joining to discuss this with us is Rory Caulfield. Uh, he's currently a commercial account executive at Datadog. Uh, but more importantly, Rory, you're really one of my first mentors when I started as an SDR over at Demand Drive. So I'm so glad you could hop on with us today. Yeah, thanks for that introduction. Um, I, uh, my ego's definitely doubled. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So um, to kick things off, Rory, I, I really wanted to go into the, the very beginning of this conversation about sales cadences, what they are, why they're important, and how you actually get started and prepare to use them. So one, I wanted to just get like a quick vibe from you on, you know, why should reps and why should SDR specifically be seeing their activities and their week-to-week -week workflow more as a journey and a cadence rather than just individual touches? And then from that, could you give us like a quick walkthrough of how you or your team members uh, both prep and then also create those cadences? Yeah, so I think with cadences, I like to think of it as like kind of the backbone of like organizing your day to day and like how you go about your account list or whatever. So that can really kind of come into a couple of buckets. The way that I like to think about it is, and this has been really helpful for me as like a rep, is really kind of bucketing down like your accounts through different like different kinds of priorities. So whether that's like you have top 10 strategic accounts that are a little bit more um, on like the customized re outreach, but then you also want to keep in mind that there's those smaller, more transactional accounts that you want to cycle through and have those sprints. So just making sure that like you're, you're like, I put my calendar to have all of my like outbound activity to be aligned to whatever sprint group I'd be working or anything like that. So it really just keeps, you know, reps accountable. Um, and especially just like throughout the process, because you obviously want to make sure that you're cycling through as many of it contacts and uh, so forth with that cadence and it gives you a kind of a good pulse on like where the where they are in the buying process especially as you start to kind of like highlight the rest of that cadence um so do you want me to just kind of dive into like uh, you know first touch and all of that or is there specific examples that you'd want to cover on that side of it yeah i think so uh, i think we'll get into kind of the first touch versus follow-up touch soon but I i'm really interested in what you mentioned about the fact that you know you have these accounts and not all of them are the same. And what that implicitly means is, I mean, unless necessary, they shouldn't have the same cadence either. It should be customized to that specific buying group. Um, so I wanted to kind of follow up and just ask, what do you do to actually look at your accounts, kind of organize and map them out and then decide kind of how you should play a cadence? So what's the difference between like a, like a VIP account versus a more transactional deal? How, how would those cadences differ? Of course, I mean, obviously it depends on like the tech vertical you're in and like the personas you're reaching out to, like that cadence can kind of be different, right? Because there's certain tech verticals like inf information security where it's high touch points and just like low connect rates. Whereas you're reaching out to someone in like HR tech, obviously the connect rates are gonna be a little bit higher. So, um, I mean, since I'm reaching out to typically like IT DevOps engineers, I mean, obviously like, We've, we've seen more on the side of like 
they don't, you, you probably, you can get them on the phone for sure, but there's definitely a lot of tailored messaging that comes with it. So for me, it could be like someone's GitHub profile, or if you're going on Crunchbase to look at their accounts, right? So um, really like looking at revenue, like uh, fast growth or anything like that, and just using sales nav. So, I mean, I think company to company, like, you know, depending on where, where you're representing um, the sales for, it really kind of just break, it, 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 there's ways to kind of like allocate like resources and how you want to go about the cadence um, to really make sure that it's really in line with like the, the, the vertical that you're reaching out to and the people that you're eventually going to put into the purchasing process. Yeah, and I mean, that makes a lot of sense, really, when you think about it, you don't want to spend too much time reaching out to even if it's like, right, you have a great conversation, the guy seems like an awesome dude on the other side or something like that. Um, at the end of the day, the sale, if it's going to be smaller, you just you can't really spend that much time on it, because that's not how you're going to, you know, grow the company, and, you know, and make the commission that you probably want on top of that. So, um yeah, I think it goes back into that sort of bucketing that we've talked about in past episodes and things like that. But um, I think that's a good point. If you really look at, you know, Crunchbase and really take the time to do the research, that that's so important. Um, you'll be able to to figure out which bucket it goes into and, and reach out that way. So it's great advice there. Um, I do now sort of want to get into that that first touch you were talking about because um, it is such an important part of, of the cadence and just of, of the SCR role as a whole you know, a bad first touch, bad email, you're screwed. There's nothing you can do to overcome from that sometimes. Um, but on the flip side, if you send a good first touch, a lot of prospects will notice it and go, okay, I see what you're doing there. And then wait for the next touch, which is, you know, another thing we can get into in a bit. But um, I just want to dive into sort of your thought process on first touches, what you do for them. Do you have any good advice or good examples of uh, successful first touches that you've used in the past or tend to use yeah. a lot? Actually, it's a funny story uh, because lately I've been using this template and I call it the Nicolas Cage template. And ironically, I'm not even a fan of Nicolas Cage movies at all. So this is just <laughs> to give you a breakdown. Um, one of the companies I was reaching out to, I couldn't really find any good trigger events to kind of reference, even with the person's profile. Because I mean, even if like they had like a, a certain like alma mater or hobby, I'd try to reference it just so that like they know that I'm reaching out to them as a person. But this time I couldn't find anything. And so I went on the company's blog and it looks like Okay, so they had some funny about story about ordering the same Nicolas Cage pillow in their office or something. I, it was it was weird because but like the way that I like broke down that email was like like okay, so noticed blank right just make any like anything very specific to that person and then you have that tailored that aside like I'm reaching out because of these X Y Z initiatives. Here's what we do. Want to have a conversation to see if this is somewhat similar. What do you think? Very simple, but I think that kind of gives you like that idea of like, yes, you could tailor the message within that first outreach, but then you don't have to do it like first touch template to first touch template. You can make it more operationalized so that like you're still hitting your metrics and then you're increasing the you know conversion rates with your um, outreach and everything like that as well. Yeah, yeah and I like that because uh, you just, you die, the, the part that's not personalized, you still make sure is relevant, right? It's not just like, Hey, uh, Nicholas Cage Pillow, can I take a call? Right, you're not just doing the personalization. You're also taking the time to like the template below it is really what you want to get across. You're just making that that warm intro to then sort of segue into what you think is going to be relevant for them and actually pique their interest in a business sense, right? Absolutely, and I think the the one thing that I like to use too is that like I know we talked about this before, but like having 
I, I don't like use like, I use really weird names for my email templates. Like I don't do like first touch this, first touch this. It's like Alex Ellison 2020 email or something. Like anytime I go at like a rep ultra, like, like a certain body or a certain hook of an email. Like I, I just like have that in my mind. So like I'll pull in like maybe a call to action like from someone else's email, but then a body of like the, uh, the product picture, whatever from another. So I think like once you, and especially like as you get more comfortable in the seat and everything like that, you start to kind of like piece together. So whether like, it, depending on like how you kind of learn, I mean, I'm just, I'm, I have a very odd process of how I go about templates clearly if I'm naming them after actors, <laughs> Mike. But, um, but I mean, it just goes to show that like you have, like there's different ways of being creative where you can automate the, the outreach process, especially with email and not make it such a, you know, time suck out of your day. Cause I know, I, I mean, I see that myself sometimes too, where it's like, I spend an hour and if not having that operationalized like way of going about your templates or how you collaborate with them could really kind of just take time away from other value added activities for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think you touched on two really important things here. One, like the, the first touch is not only the first impression, but it really sets the stage for the rest of your cadence. You know, as Alex mentioned, you know, one bad touch can really kill that relationship and make it hard to repair later on. And so it, it makes sense and it's it's valuable for SDRs to spend a little bit of more time on that initial touch so you can have some clout and look like you did your research. But on the same side, another really good point that you made is it still needs to be repeatable and it still needs to be operationalized so that it's not just overbearing. I think I, I personally use uh, this, this type of uh, format for outreach often where it's like, you know, it, it doesn't make sense to personalize every line of an email or a script. So just personalize the first bit so that they know instantly that you're, you're a human and then you can move on to start engaging them on something more relevant. And so I think that's something that, that I think people need to understand when it comes to managing cadences is you need to put enough personalization and enough research into it so that it's relevant, but it still needs to be designed in a way that you're allowed to hit metrics. Cause Rory made a good point that, you know, personalization is great, but it can definitely uh, impact the amount of volume you can put out sometimes in such a way that even the higher conversion rates don't offset and you still don't hit quota. And so it's something that I think people need to be careful about as they kind of go into building out a cadence. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> I was just going to add, um, I mean, I, I mean, if you do mess up with like a, maybe like a little first touch template, like I've gotten a meeting once where it was like, I'm, I had the wrong name of the, the CTO. And then I literally bumped the email right there, put a star and I was like, oh, sorry, Stuart. Um, please don't, if this, is, if this is the reason why we part ways and I understand, um, but got a meeting out of it. I'm not, so, I mean, I'm not saying do that all the time, but like, you know, you do mess up with the first touch and you like see it right after you send it. You're like, ah, what do I do? Just, just yeah. bump it and see. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think that emphasizes the importance of journey too, because I mean, like, e even if they are mistakes, mistakes can humanize you. And that can be kind of part of the story that you construct for them. Um, I, I, I know of a, a strategy for a follow-up email, like a second touch email that I, I believe worked uh, uh, last year, but it's already kind of fizzled out and become too popular. But um, it was essentially sending an email and then within like the first hour or two, immediately following up, basically forgetting to mention something. So it kind of brings about that like, oops, I'm a human, oops, I'm making a mistake, but it's still really engaging. And at the time it, we got a ton of responses just from that second follow-up email. Um, but I want to kind of go beyond the first touch and really talk about the kind of follow-up and additional journey from your perspective, Rory. 
you know, what, what does a second touch look like versus a, a third touch? And really, how, how do you think the cadence needs to change as you gather more information? So whether someone is more or less engaged as they kind of go through the cadence. Absolutely. Um, so first off, as long as the email doesn't bounce from the first touch, right? Like we're good to go. And then we got that going. So <laughs> with the, with the bumps up, and it's funny because I've definitely taken more of a different approach than I did um, at, like at Demand Drive or at prior companies going into Datadog because I noticed that there's been a lot of success doing like bumping the same email and the same thread sometimes. Um, but I, I'm trying to get better about like making sure that, okay, if like, if they haven't read this thread for five emails straight, maybe like change that up a little bit, right? So the bump, the, the, I always think of them as bumps, follow-ups, whatever, but if you can find like um, a quick two minute overview of what your company does in a video, that's great. Like being like, hey, I thought this simplifying this would help uh, help you determine if we're a fit. Here's what we do, let me know if you what you think. Or if you have like online sessions that are coming up, hey, here's an online session we're hosting each week. Like, I mean, depending on the, you know, like how like the, you know, uh, marketing events kind of go about with like the, the prospects I'm selling from. But in terms of that, um, I think there's a lot of different content you can leverage. One thing I, I actually do like to do a lot is kind of keep bump emails specific to the day of the week. So like if it's a Friday email or if it's like one right before a, like a three day weekend, just kind of making it tailored in that like, hey, like I know we're out of the um, office this weekend, just want to finalize my calendar. I think there's a good way about that. My personal favorite is if I know I'm going to be out of vacation, I'll pretend like I'm some sort of celebrity and I'm like, well, I'm out of the office, but if you want to get back to me, I'm finalizing calendars. I mean, people, it works. I think that there's ways to be creative about it, <laughs> ensuring that like, it's still keeping yourself accountable to the, the fact that if they're not opening up the emails and you want to change it up. And I think one thing that I need, I'm always trying to get better at is like checking the open rates with some of these emails, because whether you're using like a Groove or a Yesware or whatever, like, I mean, if you're like wasting all this time and not really like, noticing that this email doesn't even like has not been opened whatsoever. They have maybe have a second email that they use for the company. Like there's so many different variables that can happen. So I think just keeping an eye on like the, the traction you're getting with the, the cadence and then understanding like, okay, maybe at that point, do you want to like, more, like nurture it for three weeks and then send a breakup email or is the account even worth going after at that point, right? So I think, right. I think there's, um, I think towards like that bump, like my goal with the bump of the cadence is that like, I wanna make sure that like, I'm, I'm at least getting an answer, like connecting with anyone from the company, right? Whether it's, we're not interested, not right person, whatever. Like if I can get some piece of information or some initiative that might be valuable to what of our value drivers are, then I think that that's really kind of how I like to think about the goal of like what you wanna achieve out of like those bumpy emails, other than getting a meeting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that's I think that's a really good call out. I love that you mentioned kind of like proactively looking at engagement metrics as the cadence goes along, because I've always seen sales cadences as something that's dynamic, where you kind of have this layer at the bottom that's automated, and and it's assuming that they literally go through it, go through the whole thing and don't respond. But then on top of that you should have reps or marketing teams going and looking at when people open emails, when people connect with the brand page, when people visit their website, and then start customizing the activities that an SDR does based on that. And that's the, kind of the whole thing behind uh, lead scoring. You know, that's the intention anyway, is to kind of get a, a, a sky view understanding of where an SDR should be focusing their time as people go through the journey. Because even if you're not using a sales cadence, there are people and companies that are qualified 
that have found you via inbound or found you via social or maybe uh, like unsubscribed to you two years ago, but now they're back on the map and looking you up. And there's so many journeys that go on between a buyer and a seller from beginning to end. And really all a sales cadence is, is, is trying to give an SDR and the sales team a little bit more control over kind of A, discovering where they're at and B, influencing the direction of where they're going. And so I, I, I think this advice is really beautiful. Uh, and one thing I wanted to kind of touch on is like, what in your mind is the difference between like a, a cadence to try to actually generate a conversation and catch their attention versus maybe some later steps that's more for like, Kind of nurturing and just relationship building because i'm sure you know as you get the you know step 10 11 12 you, you probably change your stance a little bit and kind of like focus on different goals so so what, what does that look like yeah i mean i always create a folder called circling back breakup or kind of nurture emails right and that like could really i think there's like an overlap with like what you can put in like under a nurture template and like one that's like um a bump for like a for kind of in that first round of cadence where there's like just content driven stuff so like if you have launched a new integration that you, they didn't have, you didn't have before or something like that, um, like that's something to, to leverage in the circling back um, kind of bucket as well. But also just like, we're in Q4. So like, I love like sending in those end of Q4, like, or like going into Q4, like typically we see organizations try to cut costs, streamline efficiencies, whatever it is, right? Reduce risk, whatever. Um, like is like having like that kind of be part of the journey because I see a lot of success more so on the circling backside, have knowing that the person's like looked at the email or what have you, and then trying to translate that into um, kind of like, you know, gauging where they're at now, right? Um, I think, and also I think with circ like the cool thing about um, if you were to kind of like do like a second sprint of this account and you're kind of like running like out of contacts, you find a new hire like I always like to just like map out like here's how I'm thinking of this organization like this person oversees this can you help me out here because circling back emails is like, no, no necessarily have to be the goal of like let's get a meeting because if you can't depending on like how complicated the sales cycle is for the relative product you're probably selling into it could really just kind of depend on you know just getting like those open-ended questions answered to get your foot in the door right um, whereas maybe if you're more on the transactional sales side, then yeah, like obviously it's just kind of like getting like yes or no. And then kind of like, do I want to spend more time like circling back on this? Or do I want to kind of backfill that account and put another one in there and to build that uh, contact out for future outreach? Yeah. Yeah. And that makes a lot of sense as far as, <clears throat> excuse me, as far as really just understanding, right. A lot of what we've talked about, you really need to understand the prospect. And I think you do a great job of that, of knowing sort of what, what you think their goals are, right? If it's transactional, sort of by doing all your research and then tailoring the cadence to that. Um, but then on top of that, being able to do that at scale in a way that um, you can do this and still hit sort of the volume numbers that you wanna do. So um, yeah, it's been, been great talking to you about that. There's one thing before, before we wrap up here, I know we just have a couple minutes, I wanna point out that you said um, and sort of what it does. And I, I really liked when you said, you know, if. If you're going on vacation, you act like a celebrity, right? And I think that's that's something that I think you've always done a really good job of is you know your own importance as an SDR. I think this isn't really related to cadences, but it's an important point. I think a lot of SDRs, especially if you're new in the role, you're like, oh, I'm just like the entry-level sales guy. I just like pass leads. I don't really know anything. It's a lot of SDRs don't really have that, I guess, self-confidence to be able to say like, hey, it's my job to get this meeting with you. I know it's important and I think it can help you. Let's, let's have a conversation about it. So 
Um, and one story I just have to share from, from our days together just comes to mind. You were always great at, you would call someone at like 9.57 or like right before the top of the hour. And if they pick up, they, they'll they go, oh, I'm sorry, I'm just running to a meeting. Or I thought this was me dialing into the meeting. They're and you see, you, you, and They're lying. And your response was always, oh, me too. I just wanted to get one last call in before I hop into a meeting. And it, it totally just like, I guess, destabilized their comp. They were like, oh, oh, what do I do? And then it gives you the open to sort of have, sort of take control of the conversation with that confidence that you're bringing to the call. So, um, Cause you can translate that into your cadences. I mean, I think that there's an alignment there because I think that like, there's one way to like have that bravado over the phone for sure. And like, you know, be empowered as like an SDR. And then also just like putting that in your messaging sometimes like, look, Mr. CTO or whatever, like you're probably getting bombarded a lot. Cause if it's like a company that just got funding, like I'm sure every SDR in the world is like hitting them up. Right. So it's like, just calling it out like, Hey, like, yeah, I, to do it. Cause like you're, you, you gotta think of it. Like how many reps are reaching out to the same account, right? Like at, across a bunch of different vendors, right? Not just like the one vertical you're supporting. So like you got to stand out. Right. So um, th I think that that, like that, that's definitely a way to kind of like average um, leverage that into your like day to day on the, um, on the email yeah. side. 100%. Yeah, definitely something good I learned from you there back in the day. <laughs> um, Rory, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us today. Always good catching up. Um, and I really love this conversation we had about outreach cadences and really about SDR work as a whole. Um, if people want to find out either more about you or more about Datadog, where can, get, where can they go to do that? Um, well, my Instagram is Rory Eats. Um, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not trying to be famous. Um, yeah, you can follow me on LinkedIn. I have a Twitter, but it's usually it's not that exciting. I just I just post about tech stuff like very instantly, so it's not there's nothing juicy out there. But um, yeah, you can follow me there. Uh, <laughs> awesome, awesome. Thanks so much. Um, this has been Alex and Grayson for the SD Realness Podcast. Until next time, SDRs, keep it real. Thanks, guys.